This is a Saddleback Church podcast. How do you think about the Bible? Is it uh, a glorified paperweight that every home should have, but it just collects dust? Do you see your Bible and maybe you just feel guilt-ridden that it has that it hasn't been opened in some time? Or maybe you think the Bible is important and good for teaching other people. You know, those people who need the extra help. Everybody has an opinion on the Bible, and everybody has a way that they think about it and approach it. My guest today is Pastor Buddy Owens. He is a teaching pastor at Saddleback Church. And I brought Buddy on today to ask him, what are we getting wrong about how we think about and approach the Bible? Now, Buddy, as usual, does a great job of turning what we think we know on its head. My name is Jason Wheeland, and this is Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast, part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Now, my conversation with Buddy Owens. Buddy, thanks for being back on the show with me today. Really appreciate it. It's great to be back. It's been a while. It's been a while. Last time I had you on, I think we were talking about what happens when God says no, which was a lively topic. As yes. We, so, yes. Uh-huh. so this one, we're taking a little bit of a, a different approach, which, I, which I'm, I'm grateful to have you here to, to kind of pose this question to you, which is, what are we getting wrong about how we think about the Bible? Well, let me first say something that just popped into my head. When you said last time I was here, we talked about when God says no. Today we're talking about when God says yes. Mm. Because the word of God is all, all of it is yes. Yeah. You think, well, but what about all the no's? The no's are all pointing to a yes. Yeah. Right? Mm. We think of our walk with God as being a bunch of rules. But our walk with God is about freedom. Mm. That we're free from things and we're free to things. Yeah. We're free f- from fear, free from addictions, free from sin, all of that. But free to love, free to hope, free to dream. free to. So there's a freedom from and there's a freedom to, but it's all about yes. So what was your question? <laughs> what are we so, getting? No, I got, the, the, I got no. distracted. No, I think this is. I, I think this is great, and really, it is an answer to the question. It may not have been where you had had planned. Oh, to yeah. Take how it, do we get the, things wrong about the Bible? Yeah. What are we getting wrong in how we think about or approach the Bible? Yeah. Well, I think first of all, a lot of people think of it as sort of a one-way experience. Mm. It's like I'm going to sit here and read this book and see if I learn anything, or for that matter, see if maybe God says something to me. And that is partly the case. Yes, God speaks to us in the Word, but he, he also wants to hear from us in the Word. My favorite verse of Scripture is Genesis 3.9. Hmm. And in, the, in Genesis 3, it's when Adam and Eve have sinned, and they're hiding from God. And verse 9 says that the Lord God was walking through the garden in the cool of the day, and he called out to the man, where are you? Mm. Well, it's not that God didn't know where Adam was. He just wanted Adam to pay attention to where Adam was. <laughs> St. Ambrose said, as in paradise, the Lord God walks through the Holy Scriptures seeking man. Mm. 
So the scriptures, the Bible is not about our search for God. It's about God's search for us. Yeah. Because he's the seeker. We're not the seekers. Mm. We're lost. He's the seeker. Okay. <laughs> so if he's truly looking for me in the scriptures, if Ambrose is right, that God is looking for me in the scripture, then the question is, what am I going to say when he finds me here? Mm. How will I respond to his, so buddy, where are you? And you can hear that question through all of scripture. Yeah. Right? When you, when you get to, I mean, pick a, pick a passage. 1 Corinthians 13, <laughs> love keeps no record of wrongs. So, buddy, where are you? Mm. Right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So, buddy, where are you? I mean, you can just hear that question because yeah. God's looking for us in, this, in the scriptures. The Bible describes itself as a mirror in the book of James. Yeah. So you can look at yourself in this mirror and go, what do I look like in the, in the light of this truth in the light of this passage. So to get back to your question, what are we doing wrong with in, in our approach to scripture? I think part of it is we think it's just one way. Yeah. When I, I believe really that prayer and Bible reading are not two separate activities. They're two parts of a conversation. Mm -hmm. So you let God start the conversation in the word, but then he's listening. So, so, Hey, so where are you? <laughs> what do you have to say about, you know, what do you think? Right. You can almost hear God asking you the question. What do you think? And you read about this morning, I was reading 1 Samuel 15 about Saul's failure to obey. Yeah. And there's the question. So, buddy, where are you? you know? <laughs> um, so that's part of it. There are, I think, a lot of, a lot of other places where I think we get, we get it wrong. Well, yeah, and, and I, I'd love to jump into more of those because I, I, I have no doubt that you have some great insights into those. I, wanna, I think what's interesting, because cause you had mentioned a lot of people think it's a one-way yeah. kind of activity and really what you're saying it's it's this conversation and i think that's important to just recall out is that it's a combination of a lot of the times how we think about scripture is that a lot of people just think oh i i go to the bible so i can i can get an answer to what my, you know to what my question is or i can learn what i need to do to live a good life and it's like yes that stuff is in there or a lot of people just, you know, approach it as the Bible is God's story. And I'm going to read the story about how God made the world and how God worked through mankind. You know, and, and that's true, too. But really, these things work in unison with each other. Is it's what we hear and read about is God's story is still continuing in your life today. And he's still speaking to you in that today. And what you are looking for, those answers that you're looking for, God is there, not not just in say in something that he, you know, inspired to write thousands of years ago, but as you said, he's asking you that question today. Yeah. Hey, where are you, hey, yeah. Jason? Where are you? Yeah. So the the scripture is written, inspired, written by a living spirit of God. Yeah. And so the word is a living. And the Bible says it's living and active. Mm -hmm. So it's eternal. It's an eternal word, and because it's eternal. It has something to say to everyone at every time. Mm -hmm. We just need to learn how to listen. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, I call it reading with your ears. Mm -hmm. Okay, what is God saying to me when I, when I come to a particular passage? But as you're saying, many people, they approach the Bible like it's a medicine cabinet. Yeah. They've already diagnosed their problem, <laughs> so they think, and they're just looking, flipping through you know, rattling the little bottles in, yeah. in the medicine cabinet, trying to find the verse 
that's going to speak to their situation and make them feel better, mm. as opposed to coming to Scripture unguarded and completely open. You know, if he if the Lord is the great physician, well, then let him diagnose the problem. Yeah. Don't diagnose it. You're, you can tell him what your symptoms are, but he's <laughs> going to diagnose the problem and let him show you what the answer is supposed to be. If it's supposed to be a, a point of confession or a point of rejoicing or a point of intercession or whatever it is, you that's what I said. You're, you're letting God start the conversation. Yeah. And then you enter into that. You respond to whatever it was that the Lord happened to reveal to you in Scripture that day. Mm, that's good. So you mentioned that that there are other thoughts that you had around things that we may get it wrong in our approach to the Bible. What was one of the other ones that came to your mind, or you know, or did I take you backwards? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I, I think one of them is guilt. Mm. Um, I believe a lot of people feel guilty about their reading of the Bible because they don't. They don't read it, right? <laughs> sure. So. Out of guilt, they feel like they got to catch up. It's this big book of guilt that just sits there staring at me. That's right, scolding me for being yeah. a flake. Um, but God is relational, and he's perfect. So he's perfectly relational. Mm. And I don't think God would make things difficult on us. I think we make it difficult on us. Yeah. Um, yes, he wants us in the Word. We need to be in the Word. It is the lamp to the feet. It's the light to our path. It is, it, it is the guide for life. We have to be in the Word, right? I mean, all the pictures the Bible gives of itself, the water, the milk, the bread, the meat, the honey of the spiritual life. So you got to feed yourself or you starve to death. But I, I, I believe God in His perfection does not want us approaching our relationship with Him out of guilt. Mm. It's a response to His invitation. And his come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. It's, it's that invitation you see all through Scripture. It's the same. When Jesus is saying, come to me, it's the same as God saying, where are you? Yeah. It's, he's saying, look, Adam, step out of this hiding place, because I know where you are anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just come to me. Um, so we don't have to do it out of a sense of guilt, I think, nor should we do it out of a sense of duty. Hmm. Though there is a duty. Yeah. But I, uh, I approach Scripture more out of the sense of friendship, mm. hunger to hear from God, um, certainly obedience, but not to a slave driver, yeah. not to a taskmaster, um, but to my God and my Lord and the one who knows what's best for me and out of his love wants to show me what's best for me. Mm. So it's, it's sort of like, I'm I'm foolish to not go there, you know. <laughs> yeah. If that's where life is, I'm foolish to stay away. Why would I do that? You're you're much more likely to to feast at the king's table if you sit at the king's feet mm. instead of just waiting out in the other room someplace. So there's this huge banquet table set up for us of of scripture and God's invitation to just come and. Taste and see, you know, that well, the Lord is good. And, and I think I think a part of that, and that reason why some people may just feel it's duty or may feel like, uh, like I don't want to, you know, take take my time to do that. It, 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 it sounds like it, it might tie in a little bit to what I recently talked about with, with Tom Holliday around maybe you're just 
not reading the Bible that's meant for you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's that you are stuck with your King James version at home mm-hmm. and you're just like, it just feels like such a duty to try to read that thing. And mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like it's given, you know, I don't feel the the abundant life when I'm reading this because I'm yeah. struggling to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, And it could be that the answer is finding that translation or that version of the Bible yeah. that speaks to, you know, that, that yeah. works yeah. for you. Yeah, find a translation that works for you. I think another place we get it wrong, Yeah, uh, going back to the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Uh, you know, the, medicine cabinet analogy, but it's the whole idea of just open your Bible at random and just pick out a verse. (laughs) And you can get yourself in trouble doing that because it might, you might see something and you've taken it totally out of context. So it's important, I believe, to always look at the context and to look at the context, you need to look at the whole book Mm. of the 66 books that you're reading, right? So if you just pick a verse out of first Timothy, well, you need to look at the whole of first Timothy um, and yes, God may really speak very clearly to you out of a specific verse, but at least you've got the context mm-hmm. of that verse. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm not wild about the idea of just open the Bible and look down, <laughs> although there have been times when that's happened to me, and it was so clearly something God was yeah. saying because I was in turmoil and praying and asking him for guidance and just happened to open my Bible mm. and, and just look down. And there was, there was an answer to, I mean, precisely what I was looking for. Yeah. That's happened. But I don't think that's the rule. I think no. that's, that's just God and his kindness. You <laughs> that's know. That spirit gave an exception. of <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, another place I think we, we get it wrong is um, there are few of us who I shouldn't even say us because I'm not in these us's. (laughs) There are a few people, let's say it that way, who have the self-discipline to read through their Bible in a year. Yeah. It's a good thing to do, Mm -hmm. but it can lead to guilt. I I, I tease about the the one-year guilt trip Bible reading plan um, that people so often try and fail at. Um, I would rather see a person spend a month in Ephesians then spend a month trying to get through the Pentateuch, you know, because <laughs> you're just going to race your way through it and, and you're not going to really get anything out of it. But if you were to, sp- I mean, think about it. If you were to spend a month yeah. in Ephesians, mm-hmm. right? So there's six chapters in Ephesians. If you read one chapter a day and when you got to day seven, you start over and yeah. read it again and then read it again. And read. If you just kept doing it over and over again, you'd get so much more out of that book than if it was just, hey, I got to read three chapters out of Ephesians today because I'm I'm on my way to the book of Maps, you yeah. know, after Revelation. I so I got to just rush my way through. I think we really miss it there. It's it's um, uh, I joke sometimes about you know you hear about speed reading. I call it speed listening. Yeah, you know, where you just want to get past all the details and just get to the <laughs> point, and you miss the the beauty of the conversation. Mm. And that can happen if you're in a hurry yeah. to reach some goal that you've set for yourself or somebody else out of guilt, there's guilt again, yeah. has set on you. I mean, there's nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to read through the Bible in a year. No, that's it's not, not there. Yeah. <laughs> but people just sort of do that. And, and so then they feel all guilty because they couldn't do that. So they stop reading. Or the, or the opposite could be true. It just pumps you up with pride. You, you make it a point of pride. I read through my whole Bible in a year. Yeah. And, and then 
that just becomes a whole different issue. Yeah. Now, if you did that every year for 30 years, yeah. well, then you'd get something pretty deep out of it. <laughs> but still, it now you're coming back a year later yeah. to that same passage as opposed to just spending days mm-hmm. in one. There have been times when I've spent weeks in just three chapters of John. Yeah. Reading it over and over and over to get some sense of ownership and nourishment mm. and understanding. And then there's still, I'll, I'll look at it today and go, oh, how did I miss, you know, how did I miss that the last time? Yeah. And it's because the, the word of God is living and active. So it says something to you. It's speaking all the time. Mm. It's just sometimes we're not in a position to hear. Yeah. And that, and that takes us back to that idea of how we are approaching scripture, right? Because yeah. the idea of spending a month in one book may sound tedious to some people sounds like oh man that just sounds like I, I would get bored after a while but if you daily if you if you're approaching saying god this is your living word to me and you have something to to to, to tell me to teach me to guide me to instruct me through this or to just encourage me you know through this um and i, I want to be fed by what it is that you are offering on your plate to me today yeah, yeah. then God's not going to just let that go. <laughs> like, yeah. I, years, years ago, I spoke at a, a men's retreat in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And it's a good-sized church. There were about 100 guys. And I was teaching about how to read the Word, the way I'm, I'm talking to you about it today. And so at the end of my time of teaching this particular session, I handed them all, a, a, I had printed out a copy of Romans 12. Mm-hmm. And I did that because I wanted them all to read in the same translation. It was the NIV, mm-hmm. uh, but I had them read Romans 12. I gave it to all these guys and sent them off for half an hour by themselves to read Romans 12, the way I was teaching them, reading it slowly and repetitively. Mm-hmm. Then they all came back. They sat around their tables, and they talked about where they stopped, where each guy stopped in Romans 12, and what it meant to them and what they heard You know, from, from what was God saying to them, right? How did that apply to their life? So a year later, I was back in Colorado. And I ran into the pastor of that church. And he goes, buddy, you're not going to believe this. He said, so my men's ministry, they meet once a month. They meet around tables once a month on Saturday mornings. Mm -hmm. It's been a year and they're still in Romans 12. (laughs) So you can either think they're dopes or you can go, no, they're not. It's just such a deep well. Yeah. And there is so much life, so much water inside that well Mm -hmm. that they just kept reading it over and over and over and just drawing out. And that particular chapter, um, it is so packed. That's why I chose it. Yeah. Romans 12 is, is just one of those. (laughs) Um, and, uh, but the the point is not to just be in a hurry and race off to the next chapter because there are sometimes God says, hey, hey, wait, 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 hang on a second. I'm not, I'm not finished. <laughs> Let me finish my sentence. <laughs> I got something else I want to say. And you have to stop and go, okay, Lord, speak to me. You know, yeah. I'm all ears. I, I want to hear what you have to say. Mm. And you just stay there until you sense the release to move forward. Mm. And he might bring you back to it again. Yeah. Or you might just keep on going. Because the next time you read Romans 12, something's going to happen again. If nothing else, if you've read it that deeply, you're going to remember. You're going to come back up, man, I remember the last time I read this, how God spoke to me right in this verse. Yeah. 
I mean, it challenged me or it encouraged me or whatever. So you're going back to those spiritual encounters you've had with God, or there may be something new. And he says, oh, by the way, there's something else I wanted to show you in this chapter, yeah. right? But you can't get that if you're racing your way through Scripture to try to read through your Bible in a year. I'm not saying don't read through your Bible. Some people do it, and it's awesome. Okay. Yeah. If you can do that, more power to you. But I'm not that kind of person. <laughs> I, I can't do that. Uh, I'll mention this now. In the show notes, I'm going to put a link to a virtual workshop that we have that you've taught many, many times at Saddleback called A Deeper Devotions. Oh, yeah. We still have that? We still have that. It is still available. <laughs> oh, yeah. you got to listen to Deeper Devotions. Yeah. Which takes everything that Buddy has been talking about and puts it into a workshop form. There's the the workbook is, is on there for free to download, and, and it has the videos of the last time you taught it um, yeah. at, at our Rancho Campus. Well, it's been a long time. Deeper Devotions. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> I wanted to toss this up to you and just see where you would take it because I have no idea. Is there a maybe a well-known passage or a story or verses in the Bible that you see people quoting all the time or they you know have some sort of understanding of it, but you're like, uh, I think we're kind of getting the wrong approach to that passage or the wrong. Is there is there something that stands out to you kind of with that prompt? Um. Yeah, there's several. <laughs> um, uh, oh, so let's take uh, the uh, parable of the pearl of great price. Okay. Matthew 13. And in that parable, Jesus talks about a man who, who goes out and he finds a field, and in the field he finds treasure, and so he sells everything and he buys the field. And then there's another man who finds this pearl, mm-hmm sells everything he has and buys the pearl. Called, we call it the pearl of great price. And so what most people will say, and you'll hear it in worship songs, and you'll hear it in sermons, that Jesus is the pearl of great price. Mm. It's always about Jesus. He's the pearl of great price. But I don't think that's what Jesus is saying because, again, look at context. So Matthew has collected these parables of Jesus in Matthew 13. Yeah. And in every one of the parables, something is lost and something is found. And in every one of the parables, there is a man, or except in one, there's a woman, but there's a man, and there's this object of their attention. And so in, in the middle of the chapter, the disciples ask him to explain what it means, one particular parable. Uh-huh. And Jesus says, well, the man is the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm trying to remember which, which parable it was that he describes. And this is, you know, the, the church or the people, the lost one. But he says very clearly, the man is the Lord. So now if you look at, so there's the key to understand it. The man is the Lord. So now if you look at all of those parables in Matthew 13, and then you come to the end of the chapter and you get to the parable of the pearl of great price. Yeah. Suddenly, for some reason, we decide (laughs) that now, no, I'm the man and Jesus is the pearl. Yeah. But that's not what he's saying. In fact, the question then is, so if I'm the man... Can I buy the kingdom of God? <laughs> of course not. Yeah. Because this man went out and he sold everything to purchase this. Mm-hmm. Can I buy? No, you can't. You can't buy yeah. the, the kingdom of God. But it is Jesus who, though he was God, set everything aside, took on the form of a servant, gave up his life in order to buy us, mm-hmm. to purchase us. So I believe what he is saying in the parable 
is that the man is the Lord, the field is the world, and that you are the pearl of great price. Mm. I think most people get that wrong. Yeah, that's a great one. I could be wrong. (laughs) But given the context, and given not only the context of Matthew 13, but the context of the life of Jesus and our understanding of the kingdom, which cannot be purchased, though it is worth everything, Mm -hmm. but we can't buy it. We can only receive it. It's Jesus who is the man in that story, and you're the pearl mm. because he gave up everything to purchase you. That's a great example of what I was talking about. You said yeah, you have a couple. Is there, is there one other that, 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 that comes to your mind? Where I think people get things wrong. Um, uh, yeah, I think uh, so. Where we've been recently in, in the sermon series here at the church on the, the parable of the, the lost son. I had a feeling that you might go to this one because I've, I, know that, I know you're there. Yeah, it's just top of mind because oh, Andy's, been, Andy's been talking about it. Um, but I think it's a, a common misunderstanding of what a prodigal is. Mm-hmm. Because you'll hear people all the time you know, say, hey, you know, pray for my prodigal daughter. Pray for my, <laughs> my prodigal son. He's lost. He's yeah. rebellious. He's you know, wandered off from the faith. And, and so we think the word prodigal means wayward mm-hmm. or rebellious, but it doesn't. What, what prodigal actually means is um, uh, lavishly wasteful. Mm. Lavishly wasteful and extravagantly generous. That's what prodigal means. Look it up in a dictionary. Yeah. Okay? Lavishly wasteful, extravagantly generous. So now when you look at the story, you have to ask, well, who is the prodigal in the story? It's not the son. It's the father. The son is wasteful. Yeah. But he's not the prodigal. Mm-hmm. He's, he's just an idiot. Okay. <laughs> but it's the father who lavishes his love on this undeserving son of mm-hmm. his, right? Who is so extravagantly generous and so lavishly wasteful. And the Bible says, you know, behold, the, the love the father has lavished upon us that we should be called sons of God, and yeah. that is what we are. It's in First John. So I think there's another place where we tend to, tend to get things a little wrong. Mm-hmm. The son is rebellious. The son is lost. By the way, both sons are lost. Yeah. Neither one of them knows they're a son. Um, but it's the father who's the prodigal, mm. not, not the younger son. See, this is, I think, it's, it's so much fun to, to take these stories that we hear about all the time, and we think that we've, you know, we've heard sermon after sermon, after sermon but... I love the idea of just asking the question of, is there, is there context here or is there something that we're missing in this or something that we just assume that we've heard our whole lives is right, but asking the question of, well, what are we kind of getting wrong? You, you know, where have we stopped our thinking and just, and just led forward with assumption? Yeah. And I, I just love asking that question. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to ask, you've been in ministry you know, a long time to have taught and counseled so many, many people. What is an encouragement that you would have to people who want to put maybe a renewed emphasis on their relationship with Scripture? An encouragement for a renewed emphasis on Scripture. Um, I think I would, I would encourage people to start, first of all, don't box yourself into a formula mm. or a calendar. Yeah. 
I mean, God's mercies are new every morning, okay? So what new mercy does he have for you today? So that's one thing. Second, um, I would say, ask the Lord. If he's going to speak through his word, ask him, where does he want you to go? And just see if some impression comes upon you of, of a book to start in. But I would start at the beginning of a book. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't just jump into the middle of, you know, John chapter 17. I'll start at John 1, or start at Matthew 1, or start at Ephesians, wherever you're going to yeah. read, right, or Deuteronomy. Start at the beginning of the book and stay in the book till you come to the end of it. And don't feel the need to hurry through. Nor do I feel that you need to have a set amount of time where you say, well, every day I've got to have 15 minutes. And if I don't have 15 minutes today, well, then I'm not going to read at all, right? Um, some days you, you only have five minutes. Some days you have an hour. Mm-hmm. So my rule has always been, you just use whatever time you have, but take your time while you're using it. So go slow. If you have five minutes, read slowly for five minutes. If you've got an hour... Read slowly for an hour and talk to God about what he wants to say to you. The next day, pick up where you left off. Could be in the middle of a chapter. Could be in the middle of a paragraph. Pick up where you left off. God may say, hang on a second. There's more I want to say before you move on to the next. And you just yeah. stay there. Again, you don't. when you worship an eternal God, you never have to be in a hurry. <laughs> right? So take your time and let the Lord speak to you. And if there's no specific book that pops into your mind, or it, it could be one maybe you've been curious about or interested in, then if, if Bible reading is fairly new, start in Matthew. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite of the four Gospels. Start in Matthew. And I will say, the, a warning, is that the first 17 <laughs> verses are like reading from the phone book in the Middle East. It's just mm-hmm. a bunch of names, okay? Skip it. Go ahead, you can skip. You'll come back to them later. Yeah, Because they won't really make sense to you anyway unless you've read about them in the Old Testament. So, I mean, you can read them, but don't fret about them. Because starting at verse 18 through the rest of Matthew, the birth, the life, the teachings, the miracles, the death, the resurrection, and ascension, all of that of the life of Jesus, now it just beautifully unfolds in front of you. Mm. Um, And so just park yourself in Matthew. Take a couple of months. And just read it over and over and over and over and over. You might even read each chapter two or three times before you move on to the next one. Yeah. Just so you really have a handle on what's going on in that chapter. You know, when you get to the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are those who mourn. Spend some time in them. Think about them. Wrestle with them. Talk to the Lord about them. Don't just rush your way through because you're going you're gonna to miss something if you do that. So that's what I would say to someone who's wanting to, to sort of renew their, yeah. their commitment to the word is don't, don't come to it in guilt. Mm. Come to it in friendship. It's like picking up an old friendship. Mm. You just sit down and talk to the Lord and let him talk to you. I, I want to I wanna start to wrap up our, our conversation today by opposing to you. I, I, I love asking you just broad open-ended questions okay. because I just love where you take them. <laughs> well, you'd be amazed at what I don't know, but go ahead. <laughs> what is your favorite thing, if you could even choose, what is your favorite thing about the Bible? My favorite thing about the Bible is, is God's mercy in giving it to us. Mm. 
I mean, can you imagine if he had stayed silent? Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. Yeah. If God had not given us his word, I mean, I go back to my favorite verse, right? Adam, where are you? Yeah. If God had not looked for Adam, and then if he had not given us the word, how confusing and hopeless mm. we would be. We either wouldn't have any idea what to do, or we'd be doing everything everybody told us to do <laughs> because there was no standard, no plumb line, no yeah. absolute truth to base everything on. And I think that's probably my favorite thing about the Bible is the gift itself. Mm. But like any gift, you got to open it up and use it. Yeah. Try it on. God is so communicative. God is always speaking. Always speaking. Mm. And and so much of that time, all of that time, he speaks through his word. He has something to say to you every day. You may come away from a time in the word feeling like nothing happened. But that doesn't mean nothing happened. It's funny. I I'd never thought of this. I said this in a conversation a couple of days ago, and I thought, ooh, that's a good one. I need to preach this. <laughs> what I said was, just because God hasn't shown up yet doesn't mean he isn't there. Yeah. And sometimes you come to the word and you think, I didn't get anything out of it. Well, that doesn't mean he wasn't there. It doesn't mean he wasn't putting it stuff It doesn't mean in, yeah. he didn't say something. Sometimes deep calls to deep. He speaks deep into your spirit. Mm. It's the point is you're planting a seed of the word. Yeah. And you it may be sitting there in the dark. You have no idea it's even there. You read it and it might be days or years mm. before it bears fruit. That reminded me of <laughs> of another uh passage or story that we tend to get wrong that I've heard you teach about which is the parable of the four soils. Yes. Right. It, because it seems like that is speaks to what you're talking about, right? Is a lot of times it's, it's, it's generally thought of as a evangelistic parable, but the same can be true as you've taught as is in our accept our openness to God's word in that time. Yes. Yes. Every one of us, myself, and I speak first for me. Yeah. Every one of us can be one of those four soils in at any hour of any day. Someday your heart is hard Mm -hmm. and the seed of the word just kind of bounces off the top of it. And some days there's all kinds of weeds and thorns and distractions and temptations and who knows what that grow up and choke out the life. And then there's other times when you're, the soil of your soul is wide open to receive Mm -hmm. something nourishing. The point is when you read that, that parable, it's the same sower it's the same seed, and he's scattering it. He's not planting it one at a time. He's just tossing it out there. Um, it, it goes back to his, his prodigalness, his lavish <laughs> wastefulness. He's just throwing it out there. Look at your tie-in. That yeah, that was pretty good, wasn't it? I got to remember that. Um, and, and it just it lands where it lands. Yeah. So the, con- the, the, the question always has to be, what's the condition of my heart today? So when I come to the word, I always start with a moment of prayer, not an hour of prayer. I don't pray for, you know, 25 minutes and now I'm going to open my Bible. No, I just, it's a simple prayer. Lord, I need to hear from you today. And I'm asking you by your spirit, would you give me ears to hear whatever it is you want to say? I'm, I'm just coming in faith and asking you to say something. And then I go into the word. So 
there's always the opportunity to soften up yeah. the soil in your heart. But like I said, we can be any one of those four soil conditions at any point in the day. Mm. So there's being aware. Where am I at? Am I distracted when I come to the Word today? Am I angry about something and my heart is hard? Am I angry at God? Yeah. Uh, is my heart cold toward Him? Um, or have I asked Him to loosen up the soil, mm. you know, and humbled myself and come to Him and just say, Lord, just plant the seed. And again, I may not see the fruit of that yeah. for years, but it's that faithful coming to the conversation mm. and allowing the Lord to, to do His work. And plant that seed. Well, buddy, thank you so much for the encouragement, for your thoughts and, and passion around this. It's it's clear, and I'm sure that people are just... I, well, what I hope is that people are listening. If you're in, in your car, you know, wait until you get to your destination, but are so motivated now to just to go and spend, spend time with God, to spend yeah, time listening. I hope you will. And, and let me just say this before we go. Yeah, please. Because I know a lot of people like to listen to the Bible. Mm. And I get it. If you, if you can't read, I understand that. But the thing about listening to the Bible is it's very difficult to stop and go back and listen to that phrase again and then stop and go back and listen to finding your place. You know, you're driving in your car, you're listening to the Bible, uh, some audio. I, I really encourage you, open the book. Open the book or at least, you know, open the app but something that you can stop and just look at and focus on certain words or phrases and spend time with instead of just listening. Yeah, it seems also hard because you're then stuck to how the narrator chose to read a certain sentence, which yes. could place emphasis on a different part. And, and if you're reading it in your own mind, in your words, then you can reemphasize different parts and catch a whole different That's right. view of things. And That's so, right. Of course, I'm sure people would listen to you read the Bible, buddy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that would be fun. Just an idea for some point. Buddy, okay. thank you for your time. Appreciate you it. <laughs> now let's look at some doable next steps out of this episode. First, be intentional with how you are approaching your time in the Bible. And I don't I don't mean how much or how long. I mean in how you are opening yourself up. God speaking in how you sit down, open up your Bible and talk to God and just say, God, I'm excited for what you have to offer today. Lord, thank you for feeding me. Thank you for your word. Right? And seeing every moment spent in God's word as this dive into the greatest depths as continuing to comb through a treasure chest that just never goes dry, right? Second, take a look at the Deeper Devotions workshop that I mentioned during the conversation with Buddy. It's, it's very much an extension of what we talked about today. And you can find a link to it in the show notes. I want to thank my guest today, Buddy Owens. My name is Jason Whelan, and this has been Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast. We'll be back with you again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. 
You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question might just inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Jason Whelan, and I hope you'll join us again next week.